And news from our parent company tonight unveiling Disney Plus. Welcome back to Disney Marvels for a week of November 24th, 2019. This is episode 64. Disney Marvels, a show about Disney, Marvels, Lucasfilms, Muppets, Pixar, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. Whether you're planning your next Disney park vacation, cruise vacation, or you just don't know where to start, be sure to contact the Destinations of Character Travel the official travel partner of the Disney Marvels podcast. Email them now at info at destinationswithcharacter.com or visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure to tell them that the Disney Marvel podcast sent you. And stay tuned until after the show to find out how you can receive a free gift by mentioning this show's name. And now, for the news. Another late week, but Disney Plus is up and running. The Mandalorian is one of the most talked about shows on streaming services of the current day. It is doing fantastic, and the show has been fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, Frozen 2 was number one in the box office at its opening weekend, and people are already talking that it will be hitting that billion dollar mark during its run. We shall find out. Stay tuned in the show to find out my review. The Tron Coaster in Walt Disney World has the track has been finished and complete. This is a major milestone, which means they can now start working on the show building itself. Demolition of Communicore is also well underway. It's very sad, very disturbing images online. Um, it's kind of like a car accident. Look, if you want, but it can be disturbing and uh, you know, viewers be warned. And now we'll be back after these messages. So this week, I want to I want to double down on topics, uh, just because it's getting towards the end of the year, and I have the amazing talent of the wonderful, spectacular, superhuman, must say, Isaac Sago. Um, he's here with me. Um, he will participate in the second topic. The first topic I want to talk about is the let's just say juggernaut of a snowman. Frozen 2 that has hit the theaters. And then Isaac and I will be talking about our thoughts on Disney Plus, which has now been what, three weeks? Three weeks now? Two weeks, Isaac? I think we're right now in uh, week three of uh, Disney Plus. Uh, yeah. We're about to approach the end of week four. So we're in four, actually four weeks of Disney Plus, if you actually think about it. Uh, no, I think it's the end of week three because. We're recording this on Wednesday the 27th. Um, it came out on the 5th, and 
We have three episodes of The Mandalorian. The first two came out in the first week. Yeah. So, uh, yes. so you were, 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 were basically at the, uh, we're basically approaching, uh, four weeks. So if you think about it, we're approaching four weeks yeah. of uh, Disney plus, I think that sounds about right. Um, so first of all, frozen Two. I know you haven't had a chance to see it. Um, I've heard some different takes on it. I personally, um, when the credits started rolling, I turned to my family. I said, can we all agree that this movie has surpassed the original? And everyone said, yes. Um, That was the immediate reaction. Um, I feel the story is a little more complete in some aspects. Um, It is kind of a, a story of personal growth for both characters. Um, Graphics, definitely huge improvement. Um, and it, they, you know what? There was even some nice points that the movie did poke fun of the original. Uh, there's one point where Adina Menzel's character of Elsa's is walking through somewhere and you hear, and I won't explain why I'll try to keep this as spoiler free, but she, you hear, uh, let it go, start singing in the background and she shudders and shakes her head at it. Yeah, and, you know, kind of a, a nod to all the excessive amount of times that everyone was playing it on the internet and wherever else. Um, but yeah, some of the, the graphic works and the the, the story build, um, I think, definitely went further. It, it was it builds on the original movie. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it does build on the original movie, where you kind of you don't completely find out why Elsa has, where these Elsa gets these powers from, but kind of why she has the powers. And she goes on a journey, obviously save Arendelle. Um, something happens where, you know, the town is now all of a sudden in danger. They have to evacuate the town and, and then Elsa, Kristoff, Olaf and Sven all have to go on this, uh, epic journey as, as you were, uh, to a forbidden forest and things start building kind of from there you learn about the past of the town um, the girl's past but more about her parents what kind of actually happened to their parents and uh, it, it wasn't going to a um, going to a wedding and uh, kind of just the next progression of their story. And I, and I, I personally thought it played out well. The music is very good. Kristoff's song is, especially if you like 80s music, um, to me, it screams Air Supply. Um, <laughs> some people making reference to Queen. I don't see the Queen reference. I do. I personally feel it's more like an Air Supply type of song, um, even in the way that it's presented in the movie with the um, um, shadowed images of uh Kristoff singing in uh, one angle and then a shadowed image of him um layered on top of it at a different angle so you get a lot of that 80s vibe in it uh it, and it it plays out i think really well um Olaf's song i wasn't as as crazy for he wasn't to me Olaf wasn't the same snarky little um character that he was in the first one he is he's obsessed with getting older which he said he will something he cannot age Mm -hmm. 
but he's obsessed with getting older. Um, so it, it's it's quirky. Um, but he, there's a very emotional moment for him um, towards the uh, somewhere in the third act. Um, so, but uh, yeah, all in all, uh, to just keep it kind of on the, the shorter and Frozen Two, um, fantastic movie, definitely next billion dollar movie for the uh, for the company. Um, hopefully, it crosses that mark this year, just so they can cap it, uh, cap the year off with six movies. Because the next one, Star Wars, when that comes out on December twentieth, will only have ten days, eleven days, to to try and break in a billion. Not saying it's impossible, but very unlikely. Yeah. Um. And what, something else I thought they did good with the marketing was they really didn't. Now seeing the movie, that you really know nothing going in. Mm-hmm. Other than there's some sort of turmoil going on, you would expect there's some sort of turmoil going on, and um, but it it it's you know nicely within the world of the other one, and um, yeah, um, all in all, I I highly suggest it. Um, kids are gonna love it. My kids love it. They sat through the whole thing without an issue, and uh, they wanted to see it again as soon as it was over. Um, the one thing I found out, and unfortunately, I, I we goofed on this. There is a cutscene at the end, so make sure you stay through the credits. Okay, nice, nice. Oh, that sounds like that's a. I think that's going to be a wonderful. I think the movie's going to still have wonderful legs because I definitely feel that this is definitely going to be a wonderful holiday film to go to. You know, for families that had had the opportunity to see it when they came out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this movie I think still has opportunity to probably do well. I think this movie still has some legs on it. Um, I, I personally think, and I kind of agree right now where where it's at um, worldwide. It's probably around a hundred, a uh, hundred, uh, three hundred million right now worldwide, which is still good. Um, but I don't know. I don't think before Star Wars comes out, I don't know if it will have enough legs to uh, crack, hopefully, the billion-dollar mark. I'll probably, it may crack the 700. I, I think it may do 700, uh, billion, uh, 700, 000, uh, 700 million, but a billion right now on its pacing, I, I don't know, know yet. Uh, um, I don't know exactly. Um, it probably still has uh, plenty more places that still have to uh, open up, though. But we'll, we'll definitely see. See. What yeah, I'm. I'm not sure exactly as far as its market. If it's in open up on all the markets, typically not within the first weekend. No. Um, but I, I'm sure it's got most of the major markets. I'm not sure about China yet. Uh, yeah, it's sitting right now at a uh, domestic gross of 143. So it's called 143 million. Um, it's worldwide is 371 million, and that's after one weekend. Yeah. Uh, I mean, usually what you divide that by a third for the second weekend or something like that. Um, so we'll, well see. I, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it hasn't opened up in Australia yet, so uh, uh, it, it still may have some time. Um, I think it does. It had. It did open up in China with a uh, 50. Um, 52, uh, 52 million um, right now in China. So 
Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the, the sneaky phenomenon that kind of caught everybody um, once uh, everybody started to do that uh, Let It Go soundtrack. But uh, no, I, I think it's going to be done. I think it's going to be good no matter what. I think. Yeah, I think also because this time around, people are expecting it. The first yeah. time around, Frozen hit the, hit the world, and no one was it knew what to expect. Okay, here's yeah. another Disney princess movie. You know what, what is it? And then uh, people started hearing the music and started kind of get um, started talking about it. So this time, you know, they're going into it ahead of time, knowing okay, we know what to expect, or we have an idea what to expect. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I th- uh, no, but yeah, I think it's still it's still gonna make a lot of money. I just don't think it's gonna make the money that I think Disney was hoping for, which I I don't know exactly what that that's gonna say moving forward because I know I don't know if you remember having the conversation um, between how uh, Disney and Pixar, um, you know, in terms of who controlled that and who controlled like bigger rights and stake of how things should mm-hmm. be. Um, it was it was the first Frozen that kind of put finally kind of put uh, Disney's um, animation studio right there was Pixar. Yeah. Um, so so we're gonna see what the what 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 the box office holds and what if this uh, Frozen has uh, some legs left. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Only time will tell. Yeah. And speaking of time, it will tell. Disney Plus finally being here. And we, we talked about it over the summer after they our uh, review for the um, D23 in San Diego Comic-Con and a lot of the good announcements from then. That was back in, what, July? And yes. we finally, it's finally here. And um, what's your initial take on it? Honestly, I think it's a very good. Um, I think it's a very good service. I mean, I think it's the ultimate. It's right now the ultimate hub for anything Disney. Um, I mean, they've they basically have dominated. They basically it's it's one of the best things for uh, for a big family. Now, um, I, I review to me um, in terms of more adult contemporary content right now. I think Disney's. I think that's where Disney Plus kind of lacks. But I don't know exactly how that's going to be working because they also own Hulu, so maybe we'll start seeing more of that more adult, uh, that more adult content move over to the Hulu side. We really they, they haven't really just um, I guess revealed how more of their content is going to work on that end. But in terms of if you have a family right now, I think the, you're you're a big Disney head and you have a family. I think the surface is really fantastic. I think it's. I think it's really good to navigate. Uh, it, it's it's clean to navigate right now, um, based on its HUD, um, and I think it's I, right now. I, I enjoyed how the the surface is is laid out. Uh, I think the only big disappointment um, with Disney Plus is there isn't enough originals out at launch. Um, so like I mean, if you only so if you're not like a big Star Wars fan, like the Mandalorian might not interest you, unfortunately, because it 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 is willing to happen. Um, so uh, um, so yeah, I think that my biggest my personal big issue is there's just not enough uh, originals, because as much as there's they have a huge uh, I guess library of old stuff and old content is great. I do want Disney Plus because you do want to see the brand new stuff, and that I feel that they're lacking. Um, but for but at the moment it's it's a good starting hub 
it's a really good starting hub for more build on content. I just personally would love to have, I would love to for them to have launched a a Marvel show to go along <laughs> with uh with Sir with the Mandalorian at the same time. So I, I feel like they could give more of variety for people that might not be into Star Wars. But you know, for starting hub I think it's fine. Yeah. Um and yeah, I, I I do agree that I wish there was a little more we have all these great Marvel shows coming up. And I'm sure with the timing, uh, we're trying to get Endgame going and finishing that up and um, just trying to package everything. And mostly probably comes down to timing um, and working things out logistically. Um, Why we're missing that Marvel stuff. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is in production right now, which will be the first of those coming out. And... um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Unfortunately, I still have to wait till sometime middle of next year, let's call it. Yeah. Uh, there's no official date. Um, which, for us in the States, we have to wait a little bit longer. Um, markets like the, the UK, they're not getting in until March next year, so they don't have to wait quite as long. But I, I don't even think it's going to be available for them at launch at that point. Um. Yeah, the the Mandalorian depends on your take on Star Wars. Um, there is a lot of other niche type of um, original content. Um, mm-hmm. I've tried to make my way through as much of it as I can. Yeah. Um, some of it for me has been a hit. Some of it for me personally is a miss. Um, yeah. But it's um, it you know it, a lot of it does appeal to somebody at some point somewhere. Okay. Um. But yeah, as a family aspect, you cannot get any more family friendly than this, especially particularly in stuff that either you can enjoy as a family or it is something that you feel safe for your kids to watch or even as a nostalgic part um, to go back and watch some of the stuff, um, my generation, your generation, stuff that we grew up on, um, even probably some of the slightly older generation. Um the interface is really good. The fact that they've now added in the continue watching feature um, makes it even that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that has taken me isn't so much of what there is, but what there isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the ABC stuff isn't there. Agents of Shield, Home Improvement, maybe yeah. because that's over on Hulu that they don't want to double dip just yet. Um, or this is, you know, they're going to roll that stuff out over time. I'm even sure, let me just, while I'm even typing, uh, talking here, check out one of their old classics too. Yeah. Yeah. Golden Girls isn't on there either. So yeah. Uh, that. (laughs) (laughs) That one, I think, uh, walks the line of what is appropriate for Disney plus, um, that I could actually see they're trying to keep more onto the the Hulu and then onto the uh, um, uh, onto the Disney Plus end because of the general theming of that show. Yeah. Um, but again, Home Improvement I would think would be perfect for there. Um, some of the Fox shows aren't besides Simpsons aren't there either. Uh, Mash isn't there again, just a classic one that they picked up that. Um, it doesn't walk the line as much. It is a, more, a little more adult-oriented than family. Um, 
even but even some of the stuff from the ABC Family and Freeform, uh, make it or break it, or or any of that type of stuff. Agents, I think I mentioned Agents of Shield. So a lot of that's like the TV content, if more modern stuff, um, not animated, yeah. isn't there. Um, and again, I don't know if that's because they just didn't want to dump everything at launch, and you know, we're we're giving you a you know dump truck load of stuff right now. We still have a tractor trailer waiting to back up as well, uh, but we will be unloading that in time so that way we just can keep keep it fresh for people. Yeah, no, and of course I think they're going to continue to hopefully continue to throw out new episodes. Um, now, uh, in terms of the series, are, do all new shows come out on Fridays, or do they scatter them out? Out of your question, I, I don't know. Like, is High School Musical the musical also come out on Friday the same time as The Mandalorian? From what I've noticed, yes, um, everything seems to drop on Fridays right now. Yeah. Um, and I guess strategically, in some ways, that makes sense. That gives everyone the weekend to check it out. You know, I, you don't have to worry about competing with one your standard week shows and two um, the work week. So people, you know, people who work a Monday through Friday job come home Friday night. You got your new episode there, or you, you know, you could catch it Saturday, Sunday. Be, you know, catch it before the football games or when the Patriots are playing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, everything does seem to be hitting on a Friday at the moment. The only time I believe that will be different, um, at least I know for The Mandalorian, is that whatever the corresponding episode is for when The Rise of Skywalker comes out will come out ahead of it, I believe it was. It's not coming out that it's not coming out December 20th. It is coming out. I think the Wednesday before something like that. I could be wrong, but um, they—that's the only one that they altered. Um, everything, all the other ones are hitting on Fridays. Um, that does seem to be the trend now. As new stuff comes out, new original content comes out, that could—you know—they could always switch it up. But um, I mean, what do you think of this once a week thing? I—I I am all for it. But uh, what, what do you think? Well, I understand. I mean, I, I I get its advantages. Um, I I like you said, um, it allows to have an episode that comes out every every once a week. Um, it allows people to, like you said, to be able to digest uh the content a little bit more better. So at least you have the entire week to kind of digest it, process it, and most importantly, be able to have like that 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 water cooler talk, like what we're mm. doing right now. We we have the opportunity to be able to sit down, uh, digest that episode talk about the little nuances of certain episodes and things like the Mandalorian and just kind of be able to just like go at it and just kind of really dig deep into certain meanings and things like that. And I get it. I think it's, a, I think it makes a lot of sense for people uh, to be able to enjoy that kind of content. So, you know, versus having it all dumped on you in one day and then it's pretty much done, you know, it, it's, it just kind of feels more like an event and you're done with it and you just kind of move on with your life. You're not really, you're not really dwelling on those last previous episodes that you're watching. And like I said, you're not really taking your time to really understand everything. You're just kind of blasting through it. Um, uh, through um, through one day, through one sitting, and then that's it. You just kind of move on and do anything. It's just kind of watching a long eight-hour movie in person of you be able to digest it um, um, uh, with your friends and, 
And then there's the waiting factor. And then again, yes, uh, correct. Uh, that's also the biggest problem with uh, binge watching shows is once you're done, you gotta wait until another until next year for to see what you know what happens. So at least with the man like going this format, there's always a steady flow of content that you can sit down and watch. Or you know if there's shows that you're not interested in watching, you can go back and sit down and watch all those shows as well. So I, I get it. It's a, it's it's I'm not, again I'm not against that format to me. I guess I've been very spoiled with the binge watch, and I rather would have all the content. Yeah, yeah, I want. yeah. Uh, so you get I, used to it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I've gotten so used to it, and most importantly, like you know, you like you said, even with certain episodes, you just I don't know if I'm I, maybe just kind of lazy on me. I just maybe don't have the time. I would rather just be able to have it as one big event and be able to t- kind of just bang right through it and just kind of wait until next week uh, to see how how that ends you know i can kind of i can kind of pace this i can kind of pace the season on it on my own term or my own time than waiting for the service to give me a, a next yeah. fix uh of a certain episode so uh again there's 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 pros and cons to each way that you receive the how you receive this content and for Disney going this way they felt like this was uh, the better the better avenue and you know what right now it's paying dividends for them right now the Mandal- the Mandalorian has uh, has uh, surpassed uh, Netflix's Stranger Things that's the most uh, talked about most watched thing in streaming at the moment so um, good for it, them so yeah. That's all I got to say about that. Yes, and uh, I'll, I'll not mention what the big uh, obsession with that show is at the moment. Um, for those who, who haven't gotten to watch it yet, but unless if you've been under a rock and haven't turned, gone to social media at some point, you, you kind of, I think, have an idea of what the uh, the main draw of the show is. But, um, I mean, that's, I mean, delving into it a little more, uh, The Mandalore, I thought, that, again, the production value... Um, is fantastic. It it's um, it doesn't look cheap at all. It doesn't feel cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the special effects, um, it is uh, the writing is right along the Star Wars. And what I like about it is you kind of get that the dirtier side of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the clean. You know, the Force will solve everything, and uh, Jedi's with lightsabers and stuff. No, this is this is how the other side lives, basically. Um, people who are scrapping for money and you know having to do stuff that, whether they want to or not, they need to make a living. And this is how you gotta make a living. And the, you know what's the after effect of now? Um, it takes place after Jedi, before Force Awakens. What you know, the Empire's fallen. What's the aftermath of that? You know, people aren't living all high and mighty. You know, people are, you know. Trying to, you know, trying to make ends meet, basically. It's kind of in the Star Wars realms how that is. Um, I was kind of surprised how short the episodes are. Um, but in some ways, I'm not... By the end of the episode, I don't feel like I've been gypped by having a shorter episode. Um, at no point, the episodes really seem to like drag on for me. Like, if you had a full hour, okay, here's 15 minutes of The Mandalorian just walking down a road. Uh, kind of like sometimes with the, the Walking Dead or some of these other hour-long shows, sometimes you just don't have enough story to fill 
45, 50 minutes of, of uh, content per episode. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was actually making a reference, and it's a good reference, is that it's closer to Flash Gordon. And you know what the um, the relationship between Flash Gordon and Star Wars is, don't you? Uh, no, I do not. But you're going to tell me anyway. Yes, I will. George Lucas went to New York one day. And this is when he's butting into the the whole um, the market. So this is probably sixties, uh, early seventies. And he, um, I forget who he petitions, but he says he wants to make a Flash Gordon movie. He loves the. He's always been in love with Flash Gordon. He loves the the space opera uh, genre, and Flash Gordon is the next project that he wanted to take on. And the rights owner said. Uh, who are you? And no, thank you. So he was all upset. And um, one of his buddies goes to him saying that, why don't you just write your own? I don't know about, I don't know about that. So he sat down and penned out Star Wars. So Star Wars came about because George Lucas could not make Flash Gordon, but George Lucas has always had a love affair of Flash Gordon, which is if you kind of compare the two, there is some some similarities, not much, but somewhat sim. you know, it, it, they kind of have a similar feel in a lot of aspects, um, particularly the, the Star Wars of old. Um, so I... You know, someone's making, you know, the, the Flash Gordon serials were about 25 minutes long. Uh, Mandalorian is 36 to 39 minutes long, uh, 33 to 39 minutes long in an episode. Um, so that's kind of where you got there. I, I do enjoy the characters. Um, you're still building it. You still have a lot of mystery in the characters. You haven't kind of, okay, three episodes in, you still don't know everything about the characters. Um, you, every episode, you kind of get a little bit more of the development and the relationship between this character and that character and, and what's going on. Um, so, yeah, um, the, this is something else I'm finding that's across the board with Disney Plus, particularly with the original content, mm-hmm. is the length of the credits. Because you get the credits and then you have about two minutes of international credits. You know, the, the French credits, the Spanish credits, the Chinese credits, the Japanese credits, um, and you know, paying respect to whoever they need to res- pay respect at that point. Um, so it that does, when you see the runtime and you're going, okay, it's 39 minutes and you're at 36 minutes and the show ends, you still have three minutes of, of credits. Now, the Mandalorian, the, at least the uh, main credit chunk, I thought is nice that they have that artwork up there. Of the from the episodes, kind of like either production art or just um, nicely done, uh, just reminders of kind of what happened through the episode. And just I I thought nicely, just nice backsplashes. Yeah. So, how are you feeling on the Mandalorian? Um, you know, after watching all three uh, episodes, um, you know, uh, for visually, you know, it's still a great visually storytelling piece right now after three episodes um i'm 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 thoroughly enjoying myself um from what i've seen so far um you know just kind of like you iterated i uh, i was a little 
I was I was a little caught by how little dialogue is really being presented throughout all three um, episodes, but mm-hmm. I just I guess that kind of has always fit within the scope of how Disney, how Star Wars has told its storytelling because I, I feel let's be honest, Star Wars has never been great with written dialogue for their characters. Yeah, it's not a, a dialogue so, heavy heavy um, production. It's uh, never but, yeah. And also uh, keeping in mind, uh, I just interject this one point: the characters based on the Mandalorians. For people who don't know who the Ma- what a Mandalorian is, but you're familiar with Star Wars, it's Boba Fett. And just think how many lines Boba Fett had. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm guessing again, you'll probably in, probably um, know more and probably uh, correct me with the whole the Mandalorians are a a special um, uh, fighting uh, clan. Um, probably are one of the best kind of warriors on the planet. You know, they're not, they're, they're almost, I wouldn't say almost in the same tier as Jedi Knights, but they're, yeah. they're in their own section. They're a really well-trained race, which ben- eventually leads them to be probably one of the better people to go for in terms of being bounty hunters to track people in the galaxy. Yeah, they're kind of like the anti-Jedi, where the Jedi is more all about life and the, the mystical force and, you know, being in touch with nature, either in the good aspect or the bad aspect. Mandalorians are more like your knights in some ways. Uh, but More like your um, rogues. Yeah. Um, they're you know, the gritty. They don't take their helmets off. They, they have body armor they have no problem using weapons of any sort um and if the the it pays the bills then we're all for it um so it is uh um yeah and that's why i said i think what i like about it that it is not the same old same old star wars angle that we've gotten in the movies we're following you know oh this one's got the force and this one can use the force and this one's trying to get in touch with the Force and, you know, go down the the uh, path of light instead of going down the to the dark side. These yeah. guys, there is no light or dark side. There's just, you know, go out there and do your job. <laughs> no, no, and yeah, you, you you do feel like this, like again, like watching the Mandalorian. It's a lot more gritty, a lot more down to earth. It's more of a uh, space western. In terms of how, like, you iterated in the beginning, just basically, because, like, um, it, it takes five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, and now, you know, you're living a lot more of a galaxy that is more deserted from its resources, and even devoided from any type of actual, like, no empire, so there's basically like a power void, so everybody's just kind of clamoring um, to, to kind of, guess, stamp their face more into what's happening um so and again I, I guess what really makes this very interesting from return of the jedi into um into star wars episode seven um is um you know it it, it really does start to answer those questions of uh, you know after the decease of the jedi like what has everybody been doing you know in terms i guess like luke and leia and han and all those other characters that are accompanying me within at the same time. But I also, it's enjoyable in the sense that um, you get to learn that 
you feel that like Star Wars has always been about the more bigger picture about the galaxy and the universe and the people that are into it, and it's not always just been uh, the biggest focus on I guess the uh, the Skywalker saga, because that's pretty much the only thing we've always known about Star Wars. Star Wars, it's connect with Luke Han, Vader. It's always been about the Skywalker, the Skywalker saga that kind of motivates everything in this world. Um, unless you play like the video games, like Knights of the Old Republic and stuff like that. Or but, even the animated series, because yes. those do tie in, in yeah, a way. But, but, yeah, but even, with even the animated series, it's, it's, it's still it's, following it's in still the... still Skywalker heavy. It's yeah, still, it follows in the trails again, sticking with the Jedi. And this is good. Jedi are not involved in any way so far there's whatsoever. No Jedi, there's no real talk about... They really don't even mention it, even about the Force, like you said. This is really just another group of section of people living within the Star Wars world and how they conduct their bit, their lives and their business um, uh, moving forward uh, through this episode. So to me, that's why I'm really excited about The Mandalorian because I get to see these other group of people and how they're going to be able to conduct uh, Star Wars moving forward. And I think even most importantly, um, after uh, this final film drops um you have to kind of get ready to for star wars to change entirely because like yeah. i said the, the sky will the, the the skywalker saga will end um coming next month so you know star wars is going to be a different it's going to be a completely different vast universe with a completely different uh, storytelling moving forward and i think the mandalorian um i think gets Star Wars fans ready for that? I feel like that it's it's preparing them to get ready for what's going to happen after Star Wars Nine is done and completed, and this is maybe a great glimpse of what we we may be seeing moving forward. That's uh, a good way of putting it. Yeah, I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And in some ways, uh, what I like too is that since it's not a, a two-hour movie trying to tell a story and you have to focus in on key events, you know, it, you, you get every week a new chance to tell a story. You get some nice intimate moments to learn more about characters or races that you're familiar with but you don't know much about, like the, the Jawas yes. in episode two. You really get a better sense of, what the Jawas are other than a background character that you know, they use at, you know, for whatever key moment that they need to use them, you know, what are they like? What are they, what is their mindset? Um, just, you kind of get more of those characters in a different aspect than, like I said, just to, to move a plot line and, you know, transfer a character to a point that they need to. And then to add on to that, um, to add on more to that, you know, you get to learn more about the guild, about the about the yeah. Bounty Hunter Guild, which is going to be very big. If anybody has sat down and watched uh, Chapter Three, um, with the events that have has happened yeah. within that episode and what's going to happen to our Mandalorian and the main focus character, um, I mean, that's going to be big. And and most importantly, you get to learn. Um, we're slowly learning more of what happened to the Mandalorian. Uh, clan itself and and why they've been buried underground and why they don't really why I guess these guys are not really popping up except what happened in chapter 3 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in chapter 3 all of a sudden now they're just popping out of the woodwork but, uh, <laughs> literally they were but, uh, yeah literally and figuratively and, 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 and jets too which I was surprised to see but 
but yeah, hopefully we, 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 we still get to learn more about this special warrior race and, and why they were so, um, why they kind of uh, shut themselves off from the rest of society, I guess, until one needed for uh, special assignments and stuff like that. Right. Stuff like yeah, that. I mean, they made reference that it has to do something to do with the Empire, um, yeah. but they kind of left it at that for the moment. It's just like it's a, it's a, a little dangling, uh, um, dangling nugget um, that we will get to. So, now, it, yeah. I'm sorry to jump. So, within, you know, a couple of episodes, the, the, the Empire is still around, but it's just not as strong as it once was, right? I feel like, did they mention that in, in, in Chapter 1? That, hey, the Empire... Like, I think they mentioned that Empire... They had Empire credits, but they're not as worth as worthy. But is the Empire right. still lurking? Um, well, from what we've seen in the in the Mandalorian, there, there was pockets. Um, the Empire... And it, its whole body has been dismantled, but it still has presence and pockets um, around. Um, yeah, because they mentioned about the Empire credits, and um, you know, one of the characters say, "Well, you know, those aren't good anymore." And another character said, "Well, you can still spend them; people will still accept them." So it's, um, yeah, they they are there, but they're a shell of what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, will they? How much more they'll be popping up and making their way into the storyline? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna take a guess that they uh, will be seeing more of them, uh, or that they will be showing up again. But uh, yeah, it, it's not the Empire that you know from uh, four, five, and six from uh, New Hope, Empire, and uh, Jedi. So they're they'll be around, but not by much anymore. Um, so, yeah. Uh, does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you you probably did answer my question. Uh, you know, and I'm I, I bet you know with your viewers who are more Star Wars educated, probably would be able to uh, be able to bring a little bit more to the table on that. But yeah, uh, I'm waiting for the person to to post the five paragraph uh, response to this episode. There's always on, one on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Now, guys, but it's right here. If you're paying attention in the servers <laughs> and connected for that, you can clearly see that the Empire is not as dismantled as it. Yeah, we're waiting for that. So, an um, interview on July the 42nd, um, in 1986, uh, George Lucas himself stated that, yes, well, and I, I'm not discouraging it. Please, someone go ahead, I, I will read it. Um, but uh, yeah, so all in all. Loving the Mandalorian. Can't wait for each episode. Uh, definitely uh, for me a thumbs up. Yeah. No, no. I think it's it's a it's a fantastic episode. Uh, right now the series is it's good. I'm really enjoying the series. Um, again, I think there's one little caveat, like you said, um, the money that's been thrown at this, which from what I heard, it's, it's just as much as uh, Game of Thrones right now. So the mm-hmm. fact that it is a thirty. Um, it's it's been around the 35 36 minute range average uh, for a lot of them for a lot of these episodes um, was um, I guess a little surprising because uh, because I guess since because we, we watched uh, streaming services we're so used to that one hour mm-hmm. block of, of streaming now that's again that's not to say that 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 um, that it's a bad thing because again it's, it all depends on the series and what stories that you need to tell. Um, and I think for this format, basically the fact that this show is 
a little bit devoid of some dialogue. Um, it's more visually pushed. I think a thirty-minute these thirty-minute episodes work for the Mandalorian. Yeah, forward, which I think is good. Um, however, I am very curious if, um, we, like, say for a Marvel show, that the one that's the thing that I'm super looking forward to, say, Falcon and Winter Soldier, will they fall into that same thirty-five, thirty-six minute gap, and we won't get like an hour, a chance of like an hour episode to kind of flesh out those characters because I feel with like the Marvel shows, like those characters probably need an hour where you can really kind of get to know them a little bit more better since they don't really have that much, like guys like the Falcon or, or Bucky don't really have as much. I mean, they have screen time, but not maybe more of a chance to kind of get to know their character versus from like the movies and stuff like that. So I'm just kind of curious on if there's going to be a little bit more selections of, more time lengths for the shows uh, moving forward on the Disney Plus channel. Because right now, I feel like every show, all the series right now are in the 30-minute, half-an-hour mark. Well, actually, no. Mandalorian is actually more the exception in that. Um, well, Mandalorian and Jeff Goldblum are hitting the, the half-hour-ish mark. Yeah. Um, Encore, High School Musical, the musical, the series, and um, those two uh, round out about an hour. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Imagineering so, actually pushes it past an hour. Okay. All right. All right. So I, I guess so. I think that it really answers my question. I didn't really know to because to be fair, I didn't watch the other series, so I I didn't know. Right now, the only two series I watched were Jeff Gold or the Jeff Goldblum one and the Mandalorian one, which were only thirty minute episodes. Yeah. So I think that was one of the bigger concerns outside of the spectrum was why was the Mandalorian only within that 30 that half hour range but uh like if but if that is going to be the case they're going to have that wide selection that should be good hopefully hopefully like those marvel shows you know give me just give me like a good six six episodes a season where we can really dive into those characters and i'll I'll be i'll be a satisfied a satisfied person absolutely um yeah and, and like i said i think Again, just one last time at the Mandalorian, compared to like Game of Thrones, where you'll have 15 minutes of two characters just walking a road or on horseback conversing about something, um, which you get a lot of content, but it's a slower pace. Mandalorian, flip that. You don't have the conversation. You kind of experience everything, and they condense it down so it it just keeps moving. Um, and that's that's my take on it. Um, but we will see. You know, three episodes in so far, that formula holds. We'll see what uh, happens in the next. I believe six episodes that come after it. I believe there's nine episodes for this season. Okay. Um, that's the the quick bit of research I did on that. Uh, but you mentioned Jeff Goldblum, so that's why I wanted you to transition to um, the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Part of the Nat Geo section of Disney Plus. Take it away. Yeah. So you know, like out of what what we talked about in July after D twenty three, you know, with the world according to Jeff Goldblum um, for Nat Geo. Um, I think right now I've only seen two episodes, and uh, sorry about that. Um, 
and I, I think they only aired two episodes, and that was the sneaker episode and it was the ice cream episode. Well, they uh, just came out with the third one, which and is it just tattoos. came out with the third one, which I have not seen the third one yet. Yeah, I I, I see myself. I've only seen the first two myself as well. Um, yeah. I haven't watched the tattooing one that that's on my my list. Yeah. Which I'll probably watch after we're done with this. Yeah. Um, you know, so far I think uh, you know, like uh, Jeff, you know, Jeff Goldblum is a very. Uh, 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 here's my take with Jeff Goldblum. I think he is a very charismatic, charming uh, host in a, a a creepy old guy kind of way. If you know what I'm getting at, like yes. He's a little, He's a little too flamboyant, a little bit. He's a little too flamboyant. He's a little bit here and there, and, and curious, and I, which makes it really charming. The whole part of him being very childlike and curious uh, for an older gentleman, I think, it's the charm of why Nat Geo um, decided to uh, work with Jeff Goldblum in this uh, in this um, unique version of um, how things work. Pretty. Yeah. Much. The, the the character that you saw in uh, the Jurassic movies and in Independence Day, that from my gathering, that is Jeff. I mean that that the way he presents things, the way he talks, the way he his mannerisms. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty much that's him. Yeah, yeah, that that I understand that's him, but I feel like with in in and in, in a way, you kind of feel like he is kind of still playing more of a character. Yeah. Or maybe that is him. Yeah, you're probably right. That that does feel like him. You don't know if it's really him or is it really being the character. But but I I, mean, I, I think he's playing it up for the for the show. But. Probably, which I, I I would I totally expect that. But you also do. I, I again I do remember him in a D23 when he was um, present. You know, um, and then you know you hear about the. Uh, uh, the the whole Spider-Man debacle. He's like, oh no, this has happened. Oh God, this is so bad. Like you know, he's like really. So I I guess yeah. that's him as a, a as a person, um, uh, moving forward. But but uh, it, now it, you know just to, to to separate you know that in terms of how things work. It, the episodes are not as detailed. I think there are far more better shows that do a how things work then yes. Jeff Goldblum does it um because I think it doesn't really dive in too much into the world like like the sneakers world uh, I, I've seen far more better episodes that really dive into that world of sneakers which is phenomenal I don't know if you watched that first episode and just I how did, yeah. mu- how much money is being made for sneakers is just r- ridiculous especially that little kid um, I remember watching a little episode. I don't know if you saw that little kid that was selling yep. shoes like that. The that, amount of money I mean, that yeah. kid has the shoes. I oh. I don't think I've spent my, that much money in my life on sneakers. That uh, kid, that and kid I understand alone, people do. Yeah, but. but that kid alone is probably rolling with a hundred grand right now. That kid's probably making yeah. a lot more money than you and me combined in hustling shoes. Like it's it's which is which is extremely crazy. But I and I think that's kind of actually one of the um, appeals that I find with the show. That yes, there there are better uh, documentary type of shows that delve into how things are made and how things yeah. work. His angle on it is exploring the world. You get the he gives you a, a commercial end of something, yeah. and then the non-commercial end of something, and kind of just the a different take on 
his perspective. Or not just his perspective, but of, of a world perspective that, I mean, for me, I did not know that there was these shoe conventions going around, you know, com- that were just as big as San Diego Comic-Con, mm-hmm. uh, where people are just pushing shoes, pushing oh, yeah. sneakers, oh, yeah. uh, not even shoes, just sneakers, and, mm-hmm. you know, passing that kind of money. Yeah. Uh, I, I Again, I knew that people were collecting them, that it, there was this whole market to it but i didn't realize there was that kind of world to it then he goes to adidas and shows how they go into it and then he finds this independent guy and how he goes about it and that's what i yeah yeah, and that's where i find it interesting that you know it's informative to a different angle i mean yeah you you could get um shows that dive into it a lot deeper i mean primarily they focus on the commercial end and he's giving you, um, within a half hour, nice nuggets of information on multiple levels. Yeah. Or no, multiple so, angles. Uh, going back to that sneaker ad and how like, you, know, how you, how you visit Adidas and how they were using facial, techno- facial recognition technology along with emotion capture to feel um, how they, they design the shoe based on your emotions and how you're feeling, and this is how we'll design the shoe based off that information is quite interesting. I don't know how that really does translate into comfort, but that obviously people, you know, I obviously they're finding that's their technology that, that, yeah. that works for them and that's made a million, um, millions of dollars with the shoes. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they, you know, uh, they're one of the biggest sneaker companies out there and as a marketing end this works for them yeah i i there's stranger things out there uh yeah but hey if if they find that works uh someone's making money off of it yeah speaking of uh the next one the ice cream one uh um um, probably once i'm done i'm probably gonna go to shopper and give me a pint of ice cream right now because i'm just looking at the, the episode two one but uh but yeah, no, but no, continue to, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a, I'm going to continue. I, I don't want crickets in mind though, or mealworms. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, no, yeah, that's a, our, our, our bone marrow and the, the guy that was, oh, the, yeah, that, that, well, and that's what I'm saying about these shows is that pigs blood you get, stuff. yeah, he, he sat down with Ben and Jerry of Ben and Jerry's and talked about how they keep up. And the fact that the, the one guy has no sense of taste, yeah. <laughs> he's the taste tester. Uh, and yet they are able to put out such a good product. Yeah. Um, so you, like I said, you get the commercial aspect, but then you get this independent guy, um, uh, taking all these wacky different ingredients that shouldn't be in ice cream to begin with yeah, or just consumed. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And probably f- finds a way to make it an enjoyable, edible treat. And be more than uh, the average person who would not consider eating something that you know on a daily basis uh, yeah not touching bone marrow and then they're having it in their ice cream and loving it blood and bone marrow and like crickets and stuff like that i was like yeah but hey (laughs) but and that's why i said that's i think the enjoyable and the the informative part of it is that you get the duality nature of of these products yeah Yeah. the, the scope of it that it's you know it's not just the commercial end that we know it. it. There is this other end of stuff that people are taking their love for these products, making money of it, and pushing, pushing the um, the envelope of that item. Exactly. 
Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with it. And uh, again, you know. And he does it in his little quirky way, too. In of his course. weird, quirky, unique way that right now, based on like seeing these two episodes and not having a chance to see, I'm just, I'm just looking at the, uh, the, the little uh, thumbnail for episode three. It, it, it kind of fits in with his persona, of right. Golden's persona and his style of things. So, I, again, I, I'm going to continue to watch it. Um, just just for that to see again, um, there are probably like I said better how um, how things work shows out there that probably do the it history to... of stuff and yeah and but yeah do it like like I like I, I kind of think like Vice if you think about like Vice Vice does those stuff yeah. really really good and they can they get really deep into it but for 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 Disney I feel like it's just kind of a nice little palette it, that's so- then you can sit down, the whole family can sit down and be entertained for this and learn something. Yeah. It doesn't matter the age. doesn't fully matter the interest. That's the, that's it's, the important part out of it, correct? I can sit down with my kids, and they will probably be entertained by it and learn something from it, as well as I, instead of sitting down with a, you know, like you said, a Vice documentary that goes on yeah. for 90 minutes, and my it's kids... It's just really too dark and it's gritty and... <laughs> oh, no, oh, I didn't. Need, they didn't need to know about that about ice cream. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, fast forward through that. But yeah, no. Um, it, it 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 flushes it out in just a a a nice way that, like I said, kind of entertains everybody, um, educates everybody, and it does it in a, in just nice little nuggets. I mean, if you, it kind of introduces you to stuff that maybe you didn't know about a product. That if you want to go further, there are those avenues that you could go further with it, or you could be satisfied with what you learn. I am curious to see now for the next one, tattooing. Yeah. Where does he go with that? Because where he's gone with these other ones, it just keeps you kind of start getting more curious about what is he going to do next? Where yeah, is he no. taking you next with these yeah. things? And, you know, again, following the formula, like at the end of the, the show, like he, he, like you said, he takes uh, uh, he takes a stab at it. Like yeah. with sneakers, he's at the end. He is in the process of collaborating with a sneaker uh, customist, custom designer, are making a new shoe. Or like you said, at the episode two, he eventually make works with that crazy dude who made those different crazy flavor ice creams. He works his own at the end to make his. Uh, special form of ice cream. So, yeah. you know, with the tattoo episode moving forward, he, as you can see in the thumbnail, he's going to take a shot and making his good. own form of tattoo. So that's hey, just kind of how it all works out at the end. With Not that I'm a person. Charm and, and glam yeah. with it. Not that I have a tattoo on my body or probably ever get one. Yeah. But even beyond that, I don't know if I would want Jeff Goldblum with it coming at me with a needle. To put oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm probably with you on that one. <laughs> but I will be watching. I will definitely be watching and curious. Um, so, yeah, another one that I think is is really enjoyable. Um, it, you know, once you get, once you adapt to his quirkiness, you just really you kind of go along with it. Yeah. Um, so th- this should be interesting. Um, so we're you know going with informative and family entertainment. I guess I we can hit Forky has a question next. I don't know if you got a chance to to check any of those ones no, out yet. No, no, I haven't had an opportunity. So yeah, definitely. So I'm gonna let you. So how was Forky has a question? How and how's how's that format set up? 
Um, those are definitely on the shorter end, about six to eight minutes. I, I want to say um, under fifteen. Well, let's leave it at under fifteen. Uh, it is literally is what it says. Forky has a question. So, but this is more towards um, geared to um, let's say a younger audience. Okay. Because uh, it's questions like, what is money? What is friendship? What is art? And so you'll have Porky asking that question, and then you have one of the other characters, like, say, uh, Ham comes on trying to explain what money is. Um, you, For me, you kind of have to be in the right, or at least for me, I would have to be in the right mindset to watch these things. It's not something I could just sit down on any given moment and say, I'm going to watch this and enjoy it. Yeah. Um the way that they go about it is because you have the character trying to explain it and start to have a conversation with it. And Forky just goes in a whole different direction with stuff. Um, so not to say it isn't entertaining and kids will definitely love it. I think as an adult or a parent, um, you could possibly kind of get pushed away from it at times. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's because it's the earlier episodes and they were still trying to find their their groove about it. Um, but it, it is nicely done. You do get, if you like the character of Forky, um, you will, you know, it goes right along with uh, with that kind of like when he was walking in Toy Story Four with Woody and trying to learn stuff. I think that's where they got the the uh, brainstorm the for this. Yeah, the concept. That's yeah, so- it's like. Um, so and there's usually the old twists at the end too that uh, pay off uh, nicely, but it's it's fun, um, it, it's innocent. Like I said, the kids will love it, uh, but me as an adult, I kind of do have to set myself up to be in the mood to watch it. Yeah. Uh, it you know, you can't go from watching The Mandalorian or Jeff Goldblum to do, watch Forky because you will just be, yeah, you're not at that in that right groove. You know, like I said, not l- talking down about it. You just have to go into it with that that right mindset um, okay. for it in that aspect. Right. Um, and then uh, you have the Pixar in real life. There's only been one of those so far. The next one drops December sixth. Um, this one is uh, people playing out uh, the emotions, or they get they put a console unit from inside out in i think it was central park or a park somewhere and um people would come up and play with the controls and they would have actors walking in front and the people at the controls were kind of controlling the scene playing out in front of them so if they hit the anger button uh one of the actors would correspondingly start getting angry in the skit that they're performing um if they hit the sadness they switch to being sad about it and just they're they're playing out a skit and then um like I said corresponding with the the controls that are being pressed so um that's how the inside out one works now moving up to the up one from my understand it'll have a Russell look like walking around um Wally will have Wally driving about a city or something like that okay. so each one each one is going to be very unique to the character that they are going to be uh, portraying. Um, again, it, it was on the shorter end, uh, probably think of it about 20 minutes or so. Um, it, it was, it was mildly entertaining. Um, it's not something that 
you know, you sit back and you just want to put something on to, to just kind of relax to, that's it. It's not something that's going to, you know, change your life. It's just going to be something that you can sit back and enjoy kind of mindless entertainment. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That doesn't, that sounds uh, pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Um, then it's going into something uh, like High School Musical, the musical, the series. Um, I, maybe because I, yeah, they didn't tell you too much. I thought it was going to be more of a reality type of show. It is, but it's a scripted show there. It's actual hardline characters. It's not real people playing a character. It is it, it is a scripted show, just like um, Modern Family. I was about to say that, like in, in the realm of Modern Family or The yeah. Office style story. Yes, exactly what I wrote. Uh, Modern Family in The Office, where you have the, the story going on and then you cut to the the interview section of characters and they tell you about what they thought was happening or what they think should be happening and then you go back to it um that's not my type of show <laughs> so that's that for me i don't know how much more of high school the musical the musical the series i'll be watching um but you know modern family the office huge hits i understand why they're going that way um yeah. so if you'd like that's your type of show you will like this you'll enjoy it it is in the same vein of that um the story is that it takes place in the show actually shot in the high school that was high, where high school the musical was produced and the story is that the student body is going to be putting on they have a new director and the director has decided that they want to put you know this is the school that this took place we're going to put on the high school musical musical um the show's already been picked up for a second season um so obviously it's got a lot of good uh backing behind it a lot, a lot of positive vibes i from my understanding it is it is quite po- another one of the popular ones um so we'll see where it goes from there um but for me like i said for me that's one of the misses mm-hmm. uh, that but that that's me that's you know i have very <laughs> very unique taste when it comes to comedy no, uh, no, Troy. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the whole office style of, of no. comedy, where everybody's kind of giving their own perspective on the of that situation right now, or recapping that situation. So again, like I said, it's not for everybody. I think that's the most important thing about when we talk about these things. It's, um, you know, you're gonna try to find something that fits your niche. Hopefully, within uh, Disney's uh, platform. Yeah. Um, like when the Muppets tried it, I to- I you know tolerated to go along with it, and since it was the Muppets, I I was able to enjoy it more. I like High School the Musical, the actual movies. Um, this one, I'm sorry, just doesn't doesn't have me. Not saying it's bad. The production value again is very good. You know the the characters are nicely well portrayed. Um, working in a high school, you still, I can, you know, it definitely has that high school vibe. It, it kind of goes along with the, the whole high school musical thing. Um, you have the, the drama between the kids and stuff. I want to say almost kind of like glee in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is very reminiscent considering that the director is played for, by an actress from the, the, um, show glee. Um, so Give it a try. I definitely would say give it a try and uh, make your own determination if it's the type of show that you like. If you like the Modern Family and all that, how that type of stuff is formatted, then you should like this. Um, 
something on the more serious end. Um, but on the reality side, um, and this is, I guess, where I thought initially High School Musical, the musical the series was going, was Encore. Okay. Um, yeah, explain to me Encore, because uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll come to admit, like, uh, when I heard about Encore, I, I just kind of, the concept just felt kind of just weird about, you know, people reliving their high school musical days, which I just thought was just such a weird and um, just a head-scratching concept yeah. that was presented. But And I'll be frank, when I uh, you know heard about that show too, I'm like, I... It was the last day. I literally watched this last night. Uh, I finished it this morning. The um, the way that they was presented it or described it, I did not have that much interest in it yeah. until I started watching it. And this is this is that um, reality show where. Uh, in this case, they were taking people who graduated school in 90. The production was in 96. Uh, so roughly around my age. So maybe this is why I can relate to it a little better. Uh, they put out a production of Annie. And you take, you're getting all the people uh, from it. They were given a, it's produced by Kristen Bell. I thought she was going to be in it. I haven't seen her yet. Maybe she shows up at the end. Um, but you follow the people. You find out where these high school I'll, I'll use the loose term friends because I don't know how, you know, the people that were in the production together, um, where they are now in their lives. And they kind of talk about how they got to there. And you find out there, you, you get a little more involved emotionally in their story as they're trying to put, to put this show together. I believe they have five days. And, um, you know, like episode one, uh, they're, they're trying to put on Annie. And you you find out that one of the students who was in this production had cancer at 15 years of age. Yet the doctors told him he can't go to school. He went to school anyway. He, and it was the theater club that kind of was his therapy to get through the battling cancer. And this one girl that was... He grew a nice relationship from nothing happened with that relationship, but you know, kind of the, you know, how the, you know, these productions carried through some of these people's lives. Uh, the main actress went to, moved to New York to try to make it on Broadway, did a couple of productions, and now came back and you know met her husband there, came back to California, is raising a family, hasn't given up her dream, but realized that there's a detour now in it. Um, another one. Um, was a guy who came out about being gay in high school and in the 90s how that wasn't accepted and how he was bullied okay. but how he felt comfortable on stage in the theater because he could be he, he could be himself while portraying someone else uh, and so you get a lot more of the stories about these these people and who they've become and how going back and they kind of it's like kind of almost like a re, not even so much a musical reunion, but kind of a, a reunion, like a school reunion. Yeah. And you going out, finding out, okay, well, where have your friends been and what have they been up to? So where have these this close group of 
if you've ever done theater, you usually you get a bond of some sort between these yourselves because you spend so much time working on, on this this show and production. Uh-huh. And uh, this kind of takes you uh, back, and it, it is like I said, a reunion of it. Um, so encore naturally being you know to do again uh, in the theater world. That's that's the title. Otherwise, like I said, it would probably be reunion. So you you get a nice you, you get more of the emotional attachment. Um, yeah, and you, yeah, there's natural stories. It's not, well, as far as you could tell, it's not scripted to the extent of High School the Musical, the Musical the Series, or something like that is. It is a uh, natural stories, and y- it's more of a humanistic. And so basically, in the way that you're saying, it's it's more like the the, the musical play is more. It's a device. It's a exactly. It's more of a plot device that brings, but the, the the real stories is within the people that were in the play, and how they're conducting their li- their everyday lives, and um, and, and how this 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 basically plot device this um, kind of brings them all back together to kind of have one last chance of reliving the glory days and try to walk away from their almost just just kind of walk away for one day um just kind of forget about their everyday lives or even their struggles of 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 everyday life and just kind of relive that one small glory days that they enjoyed in high school yeah Um, or even um like in this one episode trying to walk away from everyday life in this how that affects people because the one um one of the, the female characters, uh, actresses, had trouble with that. And she had to actually step away from the production for a night to go back to her family. To kind of go back to her normal life. Even though I think she was the one that she wants to move on to theater and professionally. Once her kids are grown up or once she gets to that, re- gets to that point in her life. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it's... It's very it, this. The show is about the people, not about the final product. Um, yeah. And I don't know how you could put that into a a small description about a show. Um, yeah. And I think this was my biggest surprise. Okay. Um, about I, I... the original content that I've watched so far, oh. that um, I wasn't expecting anything going into it. I kind of was expecting just a drama type of series and this is more like a barbara walter special (laughs) i i I don't know how to put it i really don't know how to put it but it it is um it it is is very nicely done and it it is it's tastefully done um and uh yeah it, it is It's more human. It is more it is more human than any of the other stuff that I've I've watched so far, or even seen on a lot of regular television. Really? Wow. Okay. Well, you you, you kind of have me a little bit intrigued with Encore because again, I was with you at the same level. It's like it's kind of weird that how you would release a show like that right next to High School Musical and kind of be in the same genre. But from from what you're showing me. Uh, from what you're telling me, it's a lot more deeper than that. So no, yeah. I, I might have to take a, just a, 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 a maybe have to go watch the first episode and 
and, and see where it leads to. Uh, maybe that's uh, one one thing on my list. Interesting. Yeah, I, I I was I was pleasantly pleased, and I I definitely want to check out the rest of them because if it's any if it follows in the vein of the the other ones, um, it 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 would be a nice. It's more of the adult end. I I don't know how much kids would appreciate it, uh, because it is as being older, you know, you do reflect back on your life, and that's what people are doing, and uh, <clears throat> I I don't know. I I just is is a nice change of pace. Yeah. Or the the younger the silly the this isn't you know it, it's people trying to have fun it, but you don't have it's not the the forced goofiness. It is it is just it is what it is. It, it's these people their lives how their lives have changed from high school. They they show video of the production um from the That's, original production that they uh, that they're redoing, and how their lives have changed, and how things evolved, and how they you know lessons that they learned in high school have either resonated, or how they can go back and wish something changed. And um, yeah, so it, I think as an adult, you will appreciate this more. Um, my thirteen-year-old daughter, I don't know how much she would like that, because you know. That is where she's at right now. Yeah. Oh, that is Encore. Um, just to quite quickly move along. Um, the Imagineering uh, documentation, documentary, uh, by Leslie Iwerks, uh, who is the relative of uh, Bud Iwerks, who uh, was the original animator for Mickey uh, and did a lot of the inventive... Um, stuff for Disney in the, the early days. He's one of the, the key founding people. This delves into how the Imagineers, first episode, how they came about, and just it keeps on building on how these things either were happy mistakes or just Walt Disney's insistence of not listening to naysayers, how things came about and how they had to keep pushing the envelope in rethinking things and coming up with new angles um very insightful very well produced um me being a, a very a lifelong disney person some of it i've known it's just nice to see it retold again in, in such an, a well quality manner the first episode did almost have me in tears at the end because of they're interviewing a lot of the Imagineers of people who wor- worked with Walt Disney. These these were people that, when they were younger and stuff, they were there mm-hmm. with Walt Disney. Walking the streets, walking the orange groves, walking in the... this. Uh, there were animators and stuff that were told, okay, you're no longer an animator, you're this working for WED now. Well, what the, what is WED? Well, you're going to be doing something called Imagineering. Well, what is this? What? No idea. Walt just told them, you are not going to be drawing anymore you're gonna be creating costumes for the for this um place no idea what it was and since you know they they known walt at that point they okay well whatever you want because that's what it was whatever walt wanted is what you did and then they start at the end they talk about this show ends when walt dies that's kind of the the last part segment of the the first episode and watching these people to this day, Walt passed away in the 
69. People will be yelling at me for forgetting what year it was. But yeah, late 60s, because he, he was before Disney World opened up. Um, and to this day, so 30 some years later, 40 years, 40, almost 50 years later. Um, yeah, 50 years later. The emotional response that comes from the loss of Walt Disney in their lives. Oh, wow. Grown men breaking down and crying on camera. By talking of those events. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it's a, a unique perspective that you really feel how much people cared for him and were touched by working with him. Um yeah, I think that's that's really where this show is grounded, is that you are hearing from the people that not just worked with him because it was a job. They worked with him because they believed in this man and they they cared for him. They cared for him and they cared for the dream. And these were the, the builders of the, the dream that Disney Plus, you know, Frozen 2, yeah. um, the parks, all that stuff is built on the dream of this one man. And these were the people that believed in that dream and help to make it succeed yep which kind of shows the reflection of the, the team and you know, yeah the importance of having a team and a good support system that really cared about uh um uh, pushing for walt with uh disney's uh, wishes yeah no and and for the people that are currently right now in the world of disney um that hopefully can continue to um to continue that dream that he started you know to you know, which is so 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 very important. Yeah, and from my understanding, each ep- these episodes are getting better as they're going on. You know, about the building of Ep- Epcot, the park, and what the struggles there, and and just keep moving forward. And the introduction of Michael Eisner, um, and his influence on the company. Um, and from my understanding, it just keeps getting more interesting. So, if you ever wanted you know, to know how any of this came about, or just kind of what makes Disney Disney. This uh-huh. is the show that that really breaks it this down. This is a show that really can kind of uh, build that really kind of paints the whole idea of what Disney is and, and stuff. Yeah, and and how the people who create the magic makers who create these rides and create these theme parks and stuff. Yeah. How they came about it. Um. So th- this really and they really don't hold seem to hold back much. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know it is. Well, here it is. This is we did this. We did this. This is bubblegum that holds this together. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't know what to do here, so we just flipped this upside down, and then we we got what we were looking for. You get a lot of those backstories that, if you're walking the park, these stories don't exist. Everything's perfect, and everything is the way that it happens. These are the people who actually they're telling their story of well, no, we have no idea what the heck we're doing, and. Uh, it's a happy accident. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's a nice, um, it is very well produced. It, uh, Angela Bassett, um, narr- narrates it. She does a great job with it. And, um, yeah, they're talking to the right people. These people who, um, thankfully we are getting this documentation now. Uh, yeah. Matt Leonard, who, who does some of the other episodes with me said something once and, um, 
in some way, this is kind of like Disney's answer to him, is that for the Henson end, the people who created the magic and stuff, we're, we're, we're losing them. Jerry yeah. Jewell and all of them. And we don't have their stories. Yeah. Here yeah. we have the Imagineers. We've lost some of them, but before we lose more of them, you know, especially the people that were there with Walt, we are getting their stories. No. And they're being documented, so we don't lose that. Yeah, no, no. That's, and that's important. Yeah. That's definitely the most important thing out of all this. So. Um, let me hit on two other ones quickly. Legend of the Three Caballeros. Not necessary original content because it did exist before Disney Plus, but first time we're getting it legally in the United States. No. Um, I talked about it back July 4th last year on episode 11. Um, really fun show. Um, it, it's not the three Caballeros movies, same three characters, Jose Pachito and Donald Duck, mm-hmm. but whole different backstory, how they came to be, and kind of this mystic adventure that they are on. A lot of fun. Um, if you if you liked any of the the Disney afternoon stuff, um, you know, like Goof Troop, Ducktales, Gummy Bears, it's along that level. Okay, uh, okay. that's good. So good. it is enjoyable. My my boys will watch three episodes in a row and just eat it up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, good storytelling. Uh, yeah. You know, and just seeing those characters kind of interact. Um, you know, band of misfits type of thing, um, and trying to find their way in th- these adventures that they've been forced into. Uh, just so well done. Um, uh, I enjoyed it whenever I was finding it on on the internet, and I uh, love it even more now that I I have it officially properly. Nice. Very nice. Um, and then the last one I want to touch on is the. Pixar original short that was put onto that I was I told you about in pre-production float. Float, yeah. Um, tell me what you you were thinking of float, and then I'll tell you about float. Honestly, I thought it was a very cute short uh, film. Um, and, and what's really great about these um, animation cartoons is how much emotion and feeling that they can uh, interject was in a short six-minute time frame. Uh, honestly, um, what I got out of watching a fantastic film is. Uh, how uh, father basically the father has this son that basically as the title kind of floats around who's happy he's joyous but because he floats around it, it it attracts other families in the neighborhood that see this and they look at this as very odd and very weird and as a father just trying to kind of reel him in and try to reel, basically kind of pull him in and and um you know try to not keep him from floating around um, and then as you go through the series, as you watch it, eventually he, he gets very upset about it and the kid kind of loses confidence and realizes that he made that mistake and takes him over, you know, loves him again. And they play on the swing and he throws him back in the air when he's floating around. And from what I honestly got from that, honestly, um, it, it, the deeper meaning to that for me was really how, um, how sometimes parents, um, can you know i think parents play the biggest influence on a child's life and what they can be and and, you know with with kids kids are so imaginative have such a brilliant uh, bright imagination um you know their their mind can take them to anywhere to, to to anywhere and i think it's important as parents 
um, that they cultivate that. They continue to, I guess, let them know about the realities of life, but most and very more importantly, let them continue to be the catalyst that they can push to get those dreams to work at it. You know, understand that things are not going to be easy, but um, we as parents shouldn't be the thing that holds our children back from achieving what they want to achieve in life. And I think that's the message that Float tried to present is that you want to let these kids go fly and go as far as they possibly can. can. And I think that was the small message that was trying to be iterated through this wonderful six-minute short. Did you did you read the little dedication at the end? No, so I, I really I honestly I didn't have the opportunity to read the little dedication. Um, I mean, I, I guess are, are you talking in terms of the little description of the film or? Nope, nope. There is a dedication at the end of this um, at the end of the short, uh, right before oh, the credits. Yes. It says, "For Alex, thank you for making me a better dad. Dedicated with love and understanding to all families with children deemed different." Um, I may get choked up talking about this one because when I saw it and I thought the same thing, you, you know, it's letting your kids be your kids and moving forward and, you know, let them reach soar to new heights. But I thought there's got to be something more. I I read that description and that little dedication at the end. And I thought to myself, no, there's another layer to this. And, um, something great about disney plus there is an extras feature and i I watched the extras and i did a little research on this um the characters are filipino which that that's one thing specific about you know it's a a filipino based characters um which is great it is about a father trying to understand his son but the the whole the the present the the, uh, basis of the story uh that the director his son alex is actually on the autism spectrum. Um, and I, I, I mentioned um, in previous episodes, I work closely with autistic kids uh, for my job. That's my that's my work in, uh, in a high school. And when I watched this, I kind of had that feeling in, initially that that had to do with it. And now that I realize that that is truly it, that's what it is. Um, for me, working with autistic kids, seeing something like this is amazing um to see them put out there like that um that and for me it really brings out an emotional response i showed it to some of my coworkers, and they loved it because again they they got it um about and they actually have another um one coming out at some point called loop um about another autistic person um who is has to communicate with a non-autistic person um in a boat and um you know the these shorts are made to kind of tell a story that's not so clean and not so nice always um the frustration of a parent and that's kind of what this is coming from you know yes you, you just want your child to be normal and he screams out you know why can't you just be normal and that's that's the emotional hit of this yeah and then he realizes what he has done. He's tried to shelter and hide this child because the child he doesn't understand the child. The child, you know, why does the child do this? The things that they do. How come this child is doing this? And why is this happening? You know, 
why can't what can I do to make my child be like every other child and be accepted by society mm-hmm. um, for being the way they do and acting the way they do? Um, and, and he, you know, he gets embarrassed. And even just a parent of a, a child, you, you know, sometimes your kids will do something, you get embarrassed. Um, you, you just, you, you want to hide them. And for a, a parent with an autistic child, they don't, depending on the level of functionality, they don't always understand what they're doing. They, they, there is, they don't have that filter, and they process every, everything is coming in them at a, like a train. Um, so if someone lashes out like that, particularly a loved one, they, they will sh- shut down. And but it just shows that it, you can be stressed, and it, it is difficult. But that's who they are. So love them for who they are. And if you don't deal with someone on the autistic spectrum, it may be hard to understand that. It, it, it has a different message then. But dealing with autistic kids, to see something like this makes it really beautiful. Um, so, yeah, this, this one really, uh, really touched me. It's a so, yeah. No, and um, yeah, I think it's that you beautifully brought that um, into it. Like you brought a very interesting perspective. That you know the fact that you said that you work with autistic kids and no and I can and and you know after you just beautifully went through that I could totally see your um your 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 wonderful perspective on the situation yeah. and and in a, in a in a cartoon like this because yeah no you especially when you, when you're dealing with kids that are special and essentially in like in this and float the, the child is special he can float yeah. around around which is brilliant what you taught taught about you 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 get it you uh, like you going through that scene where the the the, the parent is stressed like it, yeah he, he's, he's at his wit's end yeah. he's at his wit's end because it's not that you it's not that you don't love your child but it it it, it, it takes a lot out of you because it, it's a lot more energy it, you you it's a lot more energy for to to deal with that special child um, that needs a lot more attention. That needs a lot more care. You you have to do a lot more things that you would normally do. Was say uh, I don't want to say a normal a normal healthy functioning child, which I don't want to say because I think autistic kids are just as brilliant and it's just oh, some of them are, educated. are uh, they're even brighter than the these average. Yeah. Are, these children are just as are if anything a lot more intelligent and really see the world a lot more better than us normally. I guess you call can normally function human yeah. beings do on this planet. But yes, it does take an incredible toll as a parent. That has to be able to care because, like, like you said, it, it's a lot more care. And as a an adult that that, like you said, you just don't understand why can these children be normal. It, it takes a lot out of you, though. But I think with this wonderful short, it does show. But like you said, when when he did yell at the kid and kind of took away his joy, I think I, I think it does bring that level. Again, it, it does hit that that level too because sometimes you just want to be able to look. I, I just, if I can have the power to just let you be normal, I you know to I, understand I wish the I, world like I do and to understand the world like you do. But I think at the same time, I think when you do have a kid that is either gifted talent or or differently or or just or, just, or just completely different. You know, you are taking away a unique joy 
that I feel that, you know, God kind of gives this child and brings them to this planet because I feel like I feel like there is a reason why this child is this way. And I think he brings a unique sense of joy, whether it's to be for the whole entire world or for just the people that he comes a counter to. Like, I feel yeah. like this child brings a sense of joy to the kids that he encountered because I think they love to see him fly around and move around throughout the entire this entire short. So I think... I, and I think uh, when parents don't understand it, you take away that light, that joy away from them. It's almost basically robbing the world for what this young person can give to them, at the, even to the world or to those certain people. So, yeah, no, I totally get what, why, the, why that would resonate with, the, with, this, with this short series. It's, it's, it's very remarkable, honestly. Uh, look, I, I actually, I, I thought of it a lot more in the, in the creative sense, but you brought yeah. it to another level that I wasn't even thinking about it. That, well, that, and like I said, if you, and that's why I asked you initially, and I had you made sure that you watched it because I wanted to get your initial response and then, like, and that was kind of my initial response until I did that little extra research, and especially watching that behind the scenes where they interviewed the director, um, who works at Pixar. And I, I, I don't want to call this a cartoon. I don't want to call it um, just a film. It is art. It's an art. It's yeah. It's it, it, it is. It is by definition uh, a work of art, um, in the way that it explains and uh, portrays. Like I said, not just, you know, the autism is the one end of it, but any, like you said, anything different about a child, whether it be a learning disability, um, sexuality, or just anything, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, having a, a, a disease, um, it really gives you the appreciation, especially if you are a parent, that you can understand where that parent is coming from. And then be able to, and just be reminded, love that child. That's all that child wants, is to be loved. And they may frustrate you. They may make you angry. My kids, who, you know, thankfully so far are are not, don't have to deal with any of that type of stuff. You know, do that to me. But love that child. That's all that they want. And that's that's what, that's the message of this. Mm -hmm. That in the end... They're your child, and you you love them for who you are, and you you just got to do right by them. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's that was float. So um, on that bombshell, I think uh, oh no, um, Disney Plus. I I've been very happy with it. I I went in with high expectations, and so far, um, I haven't really been let down. I mean, initially day one and two, they had some connectivity issues with well, I mean, ten million people trying to sign on at once. Yeah, the servers may get backed up a little bit, yeah. uh, but it's been so far been running a lot better. Um, I found a stat here that uh, it's a mobile app which debuted um, for everything has now been downloaded fifteen point five million times, uh, with an average of twenty five. 0.6 million sessions per day. Uh, wow. That's in the initial week, according to Tor Search from Aptopia. Um, yeah, needless to say, it's been huge. Um, and uh, the promise of tomorrow or the future, as my British friends would rather me say, um, I think is 
is bright. What do you think? Uh, you know what? Um, from uh, right now, it's it's a great starting point with Disney. It seems like the rate. It's uh, it's so it's what everybody's talk has been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Um, no, uh, right now it's it's a good start. They, they have a really good um, foundation. Um, like I said, I think they have all these wonderful shorts. If like I said, if you're a big Disney buff, this is Disney has created. It's a fantastic. It, 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 they created a very great service that has the ability to grow as they continue to add more distant stuff. Um, again, now, again, a guy towards me who's probably who's single right now, I am a little bit more into more adult and con- contemporary stuff, a little bit more not with dark, but a lot more adult contemporary stuff that I think Disney kind of um, doesn't have at the moment. And again, that might be just because they want to do it with other services. But if you have a family that loves Disney, it's probably one of the most safest things that you can put your kid in front of and you wouldn't have yeah. to worry about it pretty much. All, all in all, I think it's a very good service for the Disney, the, the Disney fanatic um, overall. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's not like kids YouTube or Netflix are you sometimes those things slip through the cracks. And is that something you want your kid to be watching? Yeah. Um, it, right. it is there is a high standard put on this um yeah. i mean you got all the marvel stuff the only thing you don't have you don't have the uh, spider-man homecoming and spider-man far from home are not part of this that that's another big caveat um the, for obvious reasons but you do have all the old animated spider-man series the 81s, the 70-something uh spider-woman series the uh, x-men animated series from fox so all of those are fully available to you so the Spider-Man Unlimited series, which I thought was really cool. So you you do you lose out on some aspects, but you get others. Um, and again, more stuff to come. So uh, yeah, no. Uh, I, I just have to wrap this up now. But thank you very much for uh, for joining me and getting um, your end of Disney Plus and uh, another wonderful conversation with you. Thank you, and uh, we'll be having you on soon. Anything you want to um, push or anything um, that you got going on you want to talk to people about? Um, nothing. So, well, I'm, I'm, I'm currently um, working on a, on a project. Um, I've, I've been floating around this idea that I want to try to do and launch soon. So uh, I'm kind of in the beginning stages of it, though. But um, hopefully next year be ready to go. So uh, um, hopefully when you... When you invite me again, I'll be hopefully have uh, have the ability to uh, announce it to uh, oh, your excellent. fans. Well, we look forward to it. We look forward to it. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. It's a big project for 2020. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. All right. Thank you for having me. Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Well, there you have it, folks. Sorry if I got a little emotional there at the end. But what do you think of Disney Plus or Frozen 2? Or you can tell me both. Frozen 2 and Disney Plus. What are your takes? I'd like to know. Isaac wants to know. Shout it on the social media. Put it out there on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Disney Marvel's podcast. Again, that's Facebook.com slash Disney Marvel's podcast. Join us there. It's a nice community. Always posting fun stuff there and some great conversations going on. Um, on the Twitter, 
you can join us there too. We've got different stuff going on over there at Disney Marvels is the Twitter handle. Again, the Twitter handle is at Disney Marvels. And feel free to always email the show with your answers or uh, suggestions to DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. The show's email is DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. Or you can always leave us a voice message through the Anchor app or website. I want to thank you for your time. I know a little time you have, especially the holidays coming around and busy bustling over here, bustling over there. Uh, Black Friday sales and getting thing, you know, things prepared for company or going to people places. <sighs> if you didn't think you were busy enough during the summer and the rest of the year, this stuff, you know, this time of the year just gets even even crazier. So, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If there's something I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving, it's all of you. And I, I really do mean that. Um, I, you know, the fact that you do take this time, like I say every week, the fact that you take time to listen to my show, it just means so much to me. And um, if I could just ask again, so small little time, go on, go online, go to iTunes um, or wherever, and give this show a rating. I've seen, you know, you see you put up the, the high fives on Anchor and... So people uh, left the, the, the reviews on iTunes. The more you do that, the more people find out about the show. Or even just tell people about the show. Um, it just makes the community bigger. Bigger community, better. better figure. It's a bigger Disney family. And, and what could be better than a bigger Disney family? Um, don't forget to also subscribe to the show. So when you know new episodes are posted when they come out. And also just consider, consider becoming a premium subscriber to, to help the show out, keep the lights on, uh, keep things going. You can do this over at anchor.fm slash disneymarvels slash support. Again, you can go over to anchor.fm slash disneymarvels slash support. I am working on a Patreon page. We'll get that going at some point. Because remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. And don't forget also, Visit our friends, Destinations with Character Travel. Beautiful people. Beautiful people. I love doing business with them. Um, they are a Disney earmarked agency specialized in Disney cruises, Disney, Disney cruises, cruises, and resort vacations, and they are in the business of making your dreams come true. They're made up of past cast members, annual pass holders, lifelong Disney fans, and world travel enthusiasts. They are the ones that are in the know regarding all aspects of your travel. Whether your travels take you to Disney parks, on an ocean cruise, or a sunny resort stay, they have the destination and the service level that make your vacation truly a magical one. Find out how they can take the stress and the hassle out of your vacation so you can enjoy yourself. And here's that special offer I was telling you about. Book a Disney five-night package with a four-day hopper uh, with them, and you'll get a free, free $25 Disney gift card just by mentioning this podcast, the Disney Marvel Podcast. So contact them now at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them info at destinationswithcharacter.com. One more time, the web address is www.destinationswithcharacter.com and the email address is info at destinationswithcharacter.com. Folks, again, I know with the holidays coming up, Sometimes things do seem overwhelming, and it's okay. It happens. It happens to everybody. 
If it's not now, it's some other point during the year, it's some other day. But everyone feels overwhelmed. Everyone feels the stress. Feels like the world is caving in on them. And sometimes it does seem hard to make it to the next day, the next hour, sometimes maybe even the next minute. But don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on anyone. It, it, you are stronger than you think you are sometimes. And sometimes it takes these, these tough moments, these impossible moments, to define who you really are. And to find yourself. Find yourself in the darkness. But it's not the darkness that divides you. It's the light. It's that light that is inside of you. That's the light that you want to embrace and hold on to. And it will guide you through the, the darkness. It will guide you through these hard times. You will be your own hero. And you will get through. Don't give up. Believe in yourself. Because you are worth believing in. I want to end this week's episode with a quote from Walt Disney. I think one reason why people like our films is that so much effort is made to give the, them adult as well as child appeal. Children laugh at the in, entirely different things from those which amuse grown-up people. When the subject matter is a little deep for children, amuse and action, amusing actions must be interjected to hold their interest. And that's from Walt Disney. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you're having a great day. Have a great week, happy Thanksgiving, and I'll see you next time.